0: in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. The following is a sermon recently preached at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this message. According to the church calendar this past Thursday was Ascension Day. It's a day in which we remember the fact that our Lord was taken up into the clouds. And today is Ascension Sunday, which is partly why we read the account of the Ascension in Acts for the New Testament reading this morning. This is a time in the church calendar when we commemorate the glorification of Jesus by his Father. Jesus has been given the name which is above every name, and he has been crowned King of Heaven and Earth. This also appropriately coincides with the seventh week of Easter. If you look at the beginning of your bulletins, you'll notice that it is the seventh week of Easter this Sunday. Well, this is appropriate because Easter is where Jesus Christ's glorification was initiated. It was Jesus's vindication that the Lord raised him from the dead. God proved that Jesus was his son as he, as he proclaimed before, and that God was well pleased in him by raising him from the dead. Now, the fact that this is Ascension Day, Ascension Sunday, also relates to what we've been talking about in Second Peter already. Today, we celebrate Jesus' Ascension, but at his Ascension, the angels told the apostles, Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back. Which brings me to my, my sermon this morning. Je- Jesus is coming back, therefore. In our text this morning, we have three therefores. In verse 11, verse 14, and verse 17. This, the whole point of Second Peter has been to remind the Christians that Jesus is coming back. Now, Peter's telling us, what do we do with that? Well, Jesus is coming. Therefore, have hope. Verses 11 through 13. You should be characterized by holy conduct and godliness. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? You should be characterized by holy conduct and godliness. Because the destruction of Judaism is imminent. Because Jesus is coming. Peter's talking to the first century Jew, Christian Jews. And he was telling them, you should be pure and holy. Because that is your salvation. Remember that the point of Second Peter is found in chapter 2. God knows how to save the righteous while punishing the wicked. So therefore, be righteous. You should be characterized by holy conduct and godliness. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. This is hope. Jesus is returning, and it's a violent thing when Jesus comes back. Jesus has has been resurrected, and he's been taken up into heaven, and he's reigning in heaven now. And when Peter proclaims the gospel at Pentecost, the Jews respond this way. They say, "What shall we do?" Jesus, Peter told the Jews, "You have killed the Messiah and God has vindicated him. Now he's been raised from the dead and he's been he's reigning in heaven. And and his day is coming. Look for it, hasten it." That's what he's telling the Christians to do here. But but when he pro- proclaimed this to the Jews, the Jews realized that Jesus was coming back and they said what do we do and Jesus and Peter proclaimed to the gospel the good news there is salvation there is salvation from your guilt he says repent and believe that Jesus died for you so you should be characterized by holy conduct and godliness because the destruction of Judaism is imminent and Peter is reminding them of what he said in chapter one where he said that you need to be diligent to be, one second, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Peter has told us right at the get-go that Jesus is God. His divine power has given us all the power that we need to be godly, to be faithful. He's telling us that we can be, and therefore, here at the end of the book, he's telling us that we should be holy and godly. Now, Jesus is coming, verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, verse 13, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This new earth, this new heavens, is the hope that we look for. This is the point of the therefore in chapter 11. Since this is coming, since you know this is coming, it's been prophesied, and Jesus is a true prophet, because of this, you need to be holy and have hope Because God is replacing this world with a a new heavens and a new earth that have righteousness dwelling in them. Last week I talked a little bit about the theme of already, not yet, in 2 Peter. God has a big vision for his gospel. His son is reigning in heaven, and, and his son will reign until all things are placed under his feet. Therefore, we are part of that. Our God is the same... Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So what Peter was teaching in verses 11 to 13 remains true today. Peter was talking to first century Christians. And Christ's predictions, as per Mark Mark 13, Matthew 24, and Luke 21 about the destruction of the temple. Those predictions came true. Jesus' prophecy was true. Therefore, Jesus was a true prophet prophet. Now, in Jesus second coming, when he comes and destroys the demonic powers that have been ruling the world since the fall of Adam, they've been conquered, they've been bound. The gospel has squashed its enemies every time it's been wielded against them. Christ is using his people. He's using his church to overcome the devil the world and our own flesh, God's enemies. Christ is using us to accomplish his goals in this world. So here was talking to first century Christians, but God's promises are bigger than that. Yes, it's true that the Judaic dispensation ended in AD 70, but Christ ushered in a new kingdom a new heavens and a new earth. And his kingdom is, as Christ says, not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom. And now true worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. This doesn't mean that Christ's kingdom will not be visible in the world. We're not Gnostic. When we say that Christ's kingdom is spiritual, it doesn't mean that it's ethereal that it doesn't have traction here and now in this world. Yes, it's spiritual, which means it's not obvious to the world about what's going on around us. But it's real. That part is obvious to the world. When the world sees a Christian living as a Christian, it's clear to the world that there's something different going on here because Christ's kingdom has, has claimed that person's soul and that person is now carrying out his marching orders in this world, conquering this world and the powers that be in this world. So we are not Gnostic. Christ's kingdom is spiritual and it has an effect in the physical world. Christ is the true man. If anything, he is more physical than this world is. His kingdom pushes past the lies And the appearances of this world. And it displays the glorious word that upholds everything in this world. Last week I preached on chapter 3 verses 5 and and 7. Well, more than that. But in verse 5 and verse 7, it's talking about what the scoffers willfully forget. They forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. And in verse 7, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So Christ is the word. Christ created the world. And Christ is recreating the world. And when we believe in Christ, when we proclaim Christ, when we preach Christ, he is Wiping away all the smoke and mirrors of this world. Christ is more physical than this world. He's spiritual. His kingdom pushes past the lies and appearances of this world, and it displays his glorious word that upholds everything around us. God is real, and he is breaking through the veil that has separated him from one believer from, him, from us from him, the world from him. He's breaking that veil one believer at a time. When we believe and we proclaim, that veil is wiped away farther. And God, Christ is saving the world. Every time this world comes into contact with Christ, it's consumed by his awesome and holy presence. The fire that's in Christ melts the elements of this world. Our God consumes all wickedness. It will burn up. It will fry. But our God is good and merciful and kind. So Jesus, when he encounters the world, conquers it. But this is the glorious message of the gospel. This is our hope. Have hope because Jesus came. And he is coming. His presence is our glory. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Jesus is coming. Therefore, be diligent. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot And blameless. In hope, looking forward to these things, Peter says, be diligent. In hope, be diligent to remain pure. Another reminder of chapter 1. In chapter 1 Peter told us that we need to be diligent to add to our faith, knowledge, etc. until we get to love. And he who lacks these things is short sighted and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. The promise we know the beginning from the end. God knows how to save the righteous. Therefore, you need to be righteous. Be diligent to be righteous. Be diligent to remain pure. And consider, verse 15, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. This is the justification of the not yet part of what I was saying was already not yet. Consider, think about this. God's mercy is our, is salvation. God's mercy, the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation now why would god come with his son why would jesus come and then come back and wipe out the jews and still leave something undone why is it not yet accomplished why if christ has already come why are we stuck in this world where we're battling sin why well it's god's mercy it's god's grace. The reason there is a not yet is because the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You and I would not be here if it wasn't for God's patience. In the first century, Jesus is reigning in heaven. But Jesus is reigning, and God is God wants a glorious kingdom. In the first century, the church was small. In the first century, Relatively speaking, there were fewer people on the earth. There are more now. There are more sinners, but there are more saved people. And the gospel, when God's people live it faithfully, causes the church to grow. And when the church grows, this is glory for Christ. It's salvation for His people, but it's glory for Christ. And it's all part of God's master plan. And God's vision is grand. Salvation is greater than a handful of believers in the first century. We have hope. We look for Jesus coming. We desire it. We long for it. But we also recognize that God has given us many tasks to take care of in this world. Each one of us has responsibilities and cares here, now. But it's our blessing. It's our salvation that Christ's kingdom already is, but that it's not yet done. We live in the new heavens and the new earth. Christ came, when Christ was walking among the earth, he said, "This, Behold, the kingdom is among you. God's My kingdom is here. The spiritual kingdom is, is now here on the earth. The new heavens and the new earth exist here and now on the earth. The new heavens and the new earth, where righteousness dwells, exists here and now on the earth spiritually, and physically, when we're faithful. This means that the gospel has traction here. Consider that the gospel conquers despite the best laid plans of the devil and the world. Jesus is reigning in heaven. He will reign until the last enemy is conquered. So that means that even though we seem to be fighting a losing battle sometimes, it appears that way, God's story God's timeline his story is that he loves to bless faithfulness in those situations where it looks like there's no hope so be diligent therefore Jesus is coming therefore be diligent to stick through stick it through stick through life is a journey life on this earth is short We all are born and we live and we die. And when we die and we look at the span of our life, 80 years, 100 years, relatively speaking to eternity, it's a breath, a wisp. We are passing through here. We're pilgrims. We're citizens of another place. The worst the world can do, the worst the devil can do, is kill us. But that would just get us to Jesus quicker. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Verses 15 and 16 have an aside in them. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Now, what Peter's talking about here is the challenging nature of Paul's teachings. He says, Paul's written to you about these things. So so we know, according to what the Apostle Peter is telling us here, that what Paul is talking about in the rest of his writings, and Paul wrote most of the New Testament, he wrote 13 or 14 books, depending on what your interpretation of that is. Hebrews is the one that that is challenged. I believe that he he wrote that also in the New Testament. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and much of it is about the outworkings of community life within the church. Paul, Paul spends a lot of time talking about... How does this gospel have traction here in your life, in your church? He wrote epistles. They were letters to churches. He wrote pastoral letters to pastors who were leading churches. But Peter tells us that what Paul's writing is about the second coming of Christ. Paul's writing about how Christ will establish his new heavens and new earth in this world. It's through the church. And it's a complicated and a diverse subject. The eyes of faith are necessary for us to faithfully interpret Paul and not to twist it. Or the rest of the scriptures. Paul was a genius. And by God's provision, he provided us, God provided us with Paul's instructions for the application of the gospel in this new heavens and this new earth. And Peter is telling us here that that's a precisely what Paul was writing about. So Jesus is coming, therefore be diligent in hope. Looking forward to these things, be diligent. Have a joyful perseverance when you encounter trials. Be diligent to remain pure. This means live honestly. Apply the scriptures to your life honestly and live with integrity. Read the Word and apply the commandments you find in the Word. It will purify your soul. Keep your eyes focused on the Word, on Jesus, who upholds all all things and everything around us. Don't get tangled up in sin. Don't be short-sighted. You have the prophecy. You know that Christ is establishing His kingdom, and He will establish it. You know that Jesus is reigning in heaven. So stick with it. That's redundant for be diligent. Stick with it. It's redundant, but it's important. Our God is long-suffering. So it's hard sometimes. Life is challenging. Sometimes, a lot of the time, life is challenging. But we know the end from the beginning. We know that Jesus will supply all of our need. Our long suffering is Christ's salvation for the world. We are Christ's body. God's long suffering is salvation. Our long suffering is God's our representation of God to this world. So be diligent to stick with it. I know it's redundant. Jesus is coming. Therefore, watch and grow. Verses 17 and 18. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Jesus is coming, therefore, watch and grow. You know the end. You know that Jesus is coming. You know the future. Beware, and don't lose your sure footing. Don't lose your steadfastness. Because you know this, don't give it up. Seal it away in your heart. Remember it as you encounter life. Don't lose your sure footing. Don't fall into the error of the wicked. Peter spent a lot of time talking about false teachers, the error of the wicked, their licentiousness, their worldliness, they deny Jesus. Don't fall into that, beware. Don't fall into the the errors of our pop culture, the worldly standards of the entertainment that we are inundated with daily and weekly. You can't walk through the grocery aisle without being inundated with the worldliness of our world. Beware. Don't lose your steadfastness. Keep your focus on Jesus. Don't fall into the worldliness of the music that our world promotes. To the the loose sexual lifestyles that it promotes. Don't fall into that licentiousness. Don't fall into that worldliness. Be diligent and remain pure. Because your purity is your salvation. And it's a gift. Don't fall into the worldliness in your time management. Put the things that are important first. Put your family before your work. Put worship before self-indulgence. Put community before yourself. Beware of the worldliness in our world, in education, evolution, our government, statism. Beware of the worldliness in philosophy, rationalism, humanitarianism, postmodernity. Beware, don't fall into this. It's all smoke and mirrors. It all denies Jesus. Keep your eyes on the truth. Our God is light. He will reveal it to you. Instead, grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Rest in Christ. Trust in Him. Grow in your knowledge of Him. Read your Bible worship faithfully, teach your children to worship faithfully, study the Word, learn Jesus, get to know Him, grow in the knowledge of Him. This book is Jesus' Word. It's His Word for you and for me It reveals our Lord to us. Read what He says to you in it. Believe what you read. Love Christ and obey his commandments. Because he's told us, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. This verse also harkens back to the command in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in your knowledge of Jesus. And Peter leads us with a benediction which is nothing but spot on. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Jesus is coming. Therefore, have hope, be diligent, beware, and grow in Him, and grow close to Him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon that was recently preached at Christ Church of Lemison County. If you would like further information about anything in this message, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.